This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 108, Spotlight on the Old New Marvel Now. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans, episode 108. This is our Spotlight on the Old New Marvel Now episode, as well as some assorted uh, comic and comic-related TV talk right at the tail end of the episode. I'm Adam Chapman, the host, and I'm joined by my special co-host for the second week in a row, Paul Scorez. And so obviously we're making this a thing. <laughs> uh, once in a while, so uh, we're getting together uh, to talk about the Old New Marvel Now. Uh, we briefly touched on it in our last episode, uh, which was our Comic Talk episode, and we are kind of of the mind that it's kind of a dumb branding and... Um, boo earns, Marvel, boo earns. Yeah, and that it, you know it doesn't feel like it's as necessary as, as the original Marvel Now, which felt more of a, you know, a clean slate. You had new creative teams bringing, going on all these books, and it really felt like something special was happening, and a lot of those books, for the most part, were, were quite good and were really solid launches. Um, and now we're going into what is ostensibly like the, the third wave of Marvel Now, but now it's all new Marvel Now, it's its own thing. So this past week, a bunch of stuff came up. Um, now, prior to this past week, we already knew that the all-new Invaders was coming, so that's going to be a new book uh, coming from Marvel. Um, let's talk about that first. Do you have any interest in the all-new Invaders? No. No? You don't care about Captain America, Winter Soldier, Namor, uh, Jim Hammond? With no. guest appearances by Union Jack and the original Vision and the Golden Girl. Who's Jim Hammond? Jim Hammond is the original Human Torch. Okay, okay. Did he die? Was he dead? Was he, he a robot he or was, something? He was always a robot. Okay. Uh, and then he was dead, and then he was back, and then he was dead, and he was back. <laughs> and at some <laughs> the point... The mini series of Invaders yeah, we've had over the last couple of years. Exactly. And at some point he died, and then they named um, Camp Hammond from the Avengers mm-hmm. Initiative on it. That was the name of, of their, okay. their, their training base, was based on him and his example. Um, I don't know how he's even alive now, or if this is supposed to be... I haven't done a lot of research on All New, Mar- All New Invaders, because I, I don't have a lot of interest. So I don't even know if it's supposed to be in the present or not. So um, we can bet this will probably be one of those books that will be out and then cancelled. I feel like it will 12. be. Yeah, I, I think... And the uh, the creative team, we got Steve Pugh... I don't know, P-U-G-H... I don't know okay. the name that well, but I do know James Robinson, and James Robinson I love. He's a really good writer. Um, he wrote Starman for DC. He did just um, some early Justice Society of America. He used to write Cable in the 90s for a little bit. He's done a lot of different things. He did uh, Justice League for a while. He did the Earth 2 launch in the, the New 52. He hasn't done a lot of Marvel work in a while. He's, com- he's coming back to Marvel with this book and that uh, Spider-Man Family Business uh, original graphic novel coming out next year that reveals Peter Parker as his sister. You heard about that? No. Oh, you missed out on some big news this summer. I've been under a rock, I guess. Um, can I just back up one for a second? So this is all new invaders. Are they they're not rebranding all these books? All new, yada yada. Are they? I hope not. It doesn't look like it because we saw a solicitation of I think it was Avengers news. It was just the twenty four point now, but that was their way of and yeah. and that was basically issue one of the all new era. I think it's so con- it's confusing to me as a regular reader. Never mind someone trying to hop on. Like just leave it. You're, and a lot of these books are only issue 20-something in. That, well, that's one of the ones that have been double shipping. Right, I mean, exactly. From, if you're only shipping once a month, you're, you're maybe at issue 12 or yeah. 14. So if you're hopping on this thing that's part of the current Marvel now, and you want to go back, it shouldn't be that hard. Or you go back to a couple of trades that have just recently come out, and you're good. Well, right. My question too is you don't need an all new right and, now, and we do, we don't know until the next month's like I think January solicitations come out. But if you have a twenty four point now, what's the next issue? Is it just twenty five? So you go from twenty four, twenty four now, and then twenty five. It, you feel like you're going to miss something. Like if I'm a reader, I feel like I don't need the now. If I don't know anything about what's going on, I'm like, well, why am I buying this issue? Or don't I just need the next issue? But you'd be missing something. Like I'm wondering if how that's going to work. Because they're saying these dot now issues are acting as the number one if we actually restarted it for the all new Marvel now, which they're not. I almost feel like they just should. Like if they're going to do it that way, or just have you know, it's bad enough they've polluted us with point ones and point whatever crap, and then DC's doing the same thing. These numbers that don't exist and they're just dumb things. But now we're also adding names. Point now or point AI, yeah, point you, AU. You, you don't need it. You really don't. It's funny. I sold the, the stack of Wolverine comics I was telling you today of Jason Aaron's run, right? Yeah. And it starts at number one. Yeah. But then eventually, after issue, let me just number 29, it converts to 300. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. So he's going to me going, what, what happens here? Where did I go wrong? And I go, and I'd explain to him that mm-hmm. companies, because it's issue 300 of Wolverine of all time, 
<laughs> they have to do this, right? Because it had various different. So you got to give a little brain. history lesson. Well, yeah, exactly. This I is what comic book companies this do. Poor Oriental man, that this is how <laughs> this works, and he was confused and wanted to know where this all felt in. He was following the, the, the numbering, and I had to explain to him it's it's ridiculous sometimes what they do. Oh, for just, sure. Just leave it. <laughs> You know. Oh yeah. Uh, make up make up your mind and just and run roll with it. There's nothing. Yeah, there's a lot of messes like that. I remember when um, Brian Michael Bendis came on Avengers. Uh, they convert like I forget what number they were at. It was like seventy something for Avengers. Maybe it was even eighty something. But uh, the the issue he came on was five hundred. So they converted it to five hundred, but then ended the book at five hundred three. I was kind of like, what was the point of that? They just wanted the number five hundred. They wanted to have an excuse to have a big five hundredth anniversary issue, and then they canceled the book like three issues later. I don't, I, I've never understood that and if they ever go back to like the old numbering which Avengers books do you count like for that do you use New Avengers by Bendis until that first volume and then you go to the Avengers volume that he launched afterwards and then the Avengers by Hickman like what what numbers would you even count in order to find out what issue you're at for Avengers what issues do you ignore? Like, because there's so many books and it wasn't simple anymore. No, I understand, but I think at the end of the day, when you're looking at the grand catalog that is whatever title. Yeah. I think Avengers is Avengers, right? New doesn't count towards it. New is his own volume of stuff. Okay. So is Secret, so is whatever so you're saying subtitle. For five or six years, you theoretically wouldn't have any comics from, from Avengers from a numbering perspective. Because there was just new Avengers. Exactly. And then once it goes back to being Avengers, which is after the Heroic Age starts. Yes. So that's a lot of issues in the middle. So you basically go from disassembled to the Heroic Age. That's like a five-year gap. So none of those would technically count towards the real number. What we call an Avenger book for right No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that doesn't affect anything, right? Interesting. At the end of the day. Except the overall numbering. Yeah. Because that's how they would archive it, right? That's true. I'm still wondering... I mean, I, we've had conversations about this in the past. I'm still curious as to what they're going to do with Spider-Man when he comes back from the dead. When Peter Parker finally returns. If they're... I mean, at some point... Because Superior started fresh, it's Superior Spider-Man. That's yeah. it. It's not Amazing Spider-Man. It's not Amazing Superior Spider-Man. <laughs> it's just Superior and his own now, thing. as I said on the last episode, we are getting issues 700.1.2.3.4.5... Apparently those were actually based on storylines that were previously solicited as part of, like, um, I think a one-shot or, like, a miniseries of two, and they decided to repurpose it as these one-shots to make more people buy them, basically. Now that I know what's in them, I don't care at all. Oh. Um, there's also, they have this upcoming storyline that's supposed to be the Arms of the Octopus, where they're having specials that bring together, this is a weird group of uh, books, All New X-Men, Indestructible Hulk, and Superior Spider-Man. Having a crossover through their specials, basically like annuals. Oh We're, yeah, I was asking my comic book shop if I want them. I said, "Yeah, you don't. okay, you don't." Oh. <laughs> you know why? Because I looked at the creative. I finally found the creative team somewhere. It's no one I've ever heard of, which oh, means no. it's not going to matter, which is unfortunate. But I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm going to buy something very extraneous, like Omega to, Effect, that was avenging and Punisher and Daredevil kind of thing, right? That was better because that was at least in running in those regular books. Okay. That was a crossover that mattered to those books. But this is three specials, is what this you're is saying. a specials. It's, it's like oh, okay. that annual that um, uh, the the weird one where they go to that world. It was Deadpool, Captain. I think sorry, who was it? Deadpool, Spider Man, and Red I think Hulk. Hulk. Yeah, Red Hulk. Yeah. And they go to that other reality, and things are weird. I think it was Green Hulk, actually. I think it was Banner was in that book. Anyways, but bottom line is, that didn't matter to anything. And it was an annual, and that's why people bought it. But anyway, so this upcoming special that's coming out, I was originally going to buy it, and I'm like, nope. Oh, now that I know the creative team, no thank you. Great, I'm stuck with it now. <laughs> You're stuck with it? Oh. I, I can maybe cancel it now, but probably not. Good luck with that. Thanks. Um, another thing that was announced this week is uh, She-Hulk is getting a new book. Not Red She-Hulk, don't worry. I know you're glad that got ended. Um, One of the worst books ever. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I don't know how. Uh, it blows my mind. You're, so, you have better taste than that in the overall scheme of things. Uh, apparently not. Uh, classic She-Hulk. Jennifer Walters is back. Um, is she ever gone? Well, I mean, she's back in her own book. I mean, she's been around, but not really important yeah, for quite a while. Look, how many, if, well, if her catalog of the She-Hulk books, how many issues would that be total? Is she gone uh, to 50 yet? No, she has uh, past 100. Okay. I believe past 100. I know that Dan Slott wrote at least 30-something. Um, speaking of that, that's actually coming out in trade next year, the complete uh, She-Hulk by Dan Slott collection, oh, which I'm so excited. Have you ever well, read that, that book? Dan Slott's a good writer. So. Have you ever read that, though? No. It's so quirky. It's uh, She-Hulk basically works at this law firm, and like they, they, it's not regular law cases, obviously. They have a lot of weird stuff, and a lot of it is... Um, 
it's it's a very uh, it's a book that's not afraid to kind of acknowledge that they're in a comic book basically. Like they have a this this one person who's a comic book expert, and they'll like actually refer to the, the comics as as proof of certain things in certain legal cases. And they'll like it uses continuity to great effect because it's people like actually showing old comic books to proof cases. Uh, awesome Android is in it and is uh, is rebranded as Awesome Andy and is one of the most adorable characters in a comic book because you know what the Awesome Android looks like, right? With the giant flat head and he's just a weird android, but he can't speak. But he has like a chalkboard around his head, and he speaks like with the chalkboard and like the almost like emoticons. I know you're giving me a look like this is, sounds. You're not terrible. selling me here on this. It's hard to put it into words. It was such a quirky, weird book, but it was fantastic. Uh, she looks the the Hawkman of the Marvel Universe. I always get these new launches of books in the very last six issues. First of all, that's unfair because She Hulk has a, nothing is confusing about her origin. Everyone knows who she is. I get what you're trying to say there, but the Hawkman reference has a lot more connotations to it as being an effed up character. Yes, but I guess me in terms of her longevity as a solo title. Yeah, I, I guess that's probably true. Um, it's got Javier Pulido on art, who I do love. He was on uh, the Daredevil relaunch with Bark Wade originally. He did some of the work there, so he's a really good artist. Charles Soule, I don't know him, him as a writer. So I put so little stock now into creative teams because but they should be they change I, like the wind now. And okay, so but that's then buy buy a book for that creative team and then leave. I mean, you can do that too to a certain extent. Like, but you want like I want to buy books a little bit more for the characters rather than the people who are writing them at times. Right, like Nova. I want to enjoy and love Nova. Mm-hmm. Right, so. You know, Loeb and McGinnis did a great job starting it up. Yeah. I think Wells and Medina will, will do a great follow-up. Where's it going to go from there, right? And well, they've already get... announced that someone new in, like, issue 10. Yeah, the, exactly. And, like, I want to enjoy the book, but if he's jumping around... I agree that it's hard to in, have know. an internal inconsistency. That, I, I, I can see it both ways, because there are some books I will pick up more because of the creative team than necessarily on the characters themselves, because I really believe in those creators. Uh, that being said, there are some characters that I will buy probably regardless. I will always buy Spider-Man. He's had a lot of shitty writers in his like as a character. Uh, hasn't always been you know. I love Dan Slott, but a lot of people don't like Dan Slott. For so for some, he's the worst thing that ever happened to Spider-Man. I think he's done a great job, so I enjoy him. But he's not the reason I'm buying that book. He just it's incidental for me. It's extra flavor. I was no, already going to sure. buy that book anyway. No, I hopped right on board big time when he took over, and I've really enjoyed... I love the whole run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I don't buy Superior, but from what I've read, I've enjoyed... It's good. You know, I should lend you the trades when I get back from Nate. Yeah, good. like, I've... I, I accept that this is the, the quote right now. I know it's going to ha- go back, but... So it's fun. It's different. You know? It is easy to let things go, because we're not stupid enough to think it's going to last forever. Yeah. It can't last forever. I mean, it does make me wonder, like, whenever these big shifts happen... I mean, people do have these really crazy reactions, and at the end of the day, we, we all know it's going to go back to normal. Like, yeah. uh, I was listening to an interview with, um, I think it was Tom DeFalco, and he was he was the writer of the issue that started the uh, the Black Costume in Amazing Spider-Man, and he said the hate mail I got was insane, just at the beginning, because everyone's like, how dare you change this copy? Within two issues, they were clamoring for more of it, and they'd already, the editors of the book were so scared of people being so angry, they'd already said you need to get rid of this by, like, two issues after you introduce it. And they're like, but we, you, you made us use this costume. He's like, get rid of it. So that's why, if you actually read the original Amazing Spider-Man issues, he's in the alien costume for such a short period of time because editorial was scared shitless because the initial reaction was so unfavorable. I mean, nowadays, editorial usually isn't as scared. Especially because the, the internet is a lot faster. You, the very true. It's all based on sales in the day now, right? Yeah. Look at the numbers. If the book is selling well, then they'll roll with it. Yeah. If it's bombing miserably, okay, they'll change it back faster than the, what they had planned, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure when presented with this extreme changeover, they go to, okay, we'll give this a go. We think it's great and fun. Let's yeah. give it a go. But if it fails miserably and it goes right in the toilet, you need your plan to renege it as mm-hmm. fast as possible, right? Yeah. I mean, I uh, I know you're not really a Daredevil fan, but when Bendis came on that book, he really set the apple cart. He changed, like, he took out the Kingpin right away, and then he revealed Daredevil's identity. And I guess, I think from old interviews I've read, like, Quisada basically said, you can do this, but you have to stay on it long enough to do something with it. Like, you can't just do this and then leave five issues later. Like, you have... So he was there for, like, you know, 40, 50 issues. So he definitely made his mark. And then when he left... He made sure, like, he put Daredevil in one hell of a spot when he left the book, but he'd also spoken to the new writer saying, this is where I'm going to leave him, is that okay? He's like, oh, that's awesome. I want to, I want to do that story. But yeah, you have to be able to to know what you're going to do with it and have some way, way out of it in case it doesn't work. Which, so far, Superior is working. I mean, 
I'm, I'm enjoying it anyway. Uh, I'm just, you're not going to make everybody happy. It's not for everyone. I know some people absolutely despise and hate it, won't touch the book. Then it's good. Take a break. You save some money for a while. And when it comes back, when Peter's back, yep. you can roll with it again. Exactly. And then, he, you know what, if they play it right, too, I mean, hopefully when Peter comes back, there's going to be fallout. And uh, hopefully maybe those people will be interested in finding out, well, what did I miss? Because a lot has gone down. Why, like, oh, Ox done some major shit. I mean, I give credit to that book because it hasn't been content to just sit on its laurels and just toot around. It's like it's every issue feels like they're pushing the envelope further, and there's actually is yeah. a big development. Like a lot of comics pretend, oh, there's a big sh- earth shattering of development for these characters in this book. In Superior Spider Man, I feel like it really it is true. Uh, you actually are progressing things in quite a big way. Moving on to the the teasers that we got bombarded with this week. Okay. Um, so, I forget the actual order that they were presented this week, but I'll just go on the order I have them up here on my screen. So, we have Judgment, which is Brian Michael Bendis, Sarah Pacelli, as the creative team, associated with whatever this book is. It would seem they to be... They the team on Ultimate Spider-Man? Uh, they were. Okay. Uh, I believe... Um, well, Bendis is obviously doing a bunch of books. I believe she's supposed to be on Guardians of the Galaxy. And now, that being said, on this teaser, it says, all will be revealed at the Amazing X-Men in the Marvel Universe panel. I think it's supposed to be a Guardians, though, because it feels more like a Guardians of the Galaxy announcement, because that's where Pacelli was. She was supposed to be doing Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Judgment would make sense if it has something to do with Angela, because obviously Angela's pissed that she's in the Marvel Universe, and that she wanted people to pay. So I, I feel like this is probably the... Uh, Putting the that Guardians. together, it makes a lot of sense. Yes. Not that I, I, I finally just don't care about the Guardians. I read the first few issues, and I've tried reading more. And I now that especially if they're bringing in Angela, I couldn't care less about using that character. And it's just not the Guardians I want to read. Oh no, I... the Guardians I wanted to read already happened, and that's the reason why they're getting a movie. And it's not because of this lame, watered down version of them. Oh. Just I don't know. I'm I'm a little disappointed. Okay. Just because uh, when Abbott and Landing were doing it, it was quirky. It was fun. It was it was it was a weird ragtag group, and it, it felt like a bunch of misfits. And that's not quite the way Bendis is doing them. Yeah, they're running the cosmic universe was just unreal. Oh, you know? for sure. And yeah. it's it's sad that you know now everyone else is trying to like kind of do their own stamp on the cosmic universe when I feel like the best has already been done, and this just isn't the same. Yeah. Uh, so moving on from that one, we have uh, Mind Bubble. Now, have you heard about this? Or at least, I, I believe it has to do with... Do you remember when New Avengers first came out, they had this, this promo art by David Finch, and there was this guy with like this bubble like for a head, and it looked like maybe it was just a placeholder to, to you know pretend to be someone else, that it would eventually be Ronan in that spot. You, didn't, you don't remember this? No. Anyways, apparently that, char- like that character design was never used and Rick Commander decided I want to use this, and I think that's who this mind bubble is supposed to be. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I don't really know who Pascal uh, Alix is. I know who Nick Klein is as an artist. Um, it's an Avengers-related book. Uncanny? Maybe it's just an arc in Uncanny uh, Avengers. That's what I'm guessing. It's going to be at the Avengers panel at New York Comic Con, so I I don't care about that book anymore. Uh, I've fallen off. I I heard some good things about the current arc and the with the new Horsemen and centuries of Horsemen of Apocalypse now, which is kind of cool. The Century Dakin, Grim Reaper, and Banshee. Yeah, which is kind of cool. I just haven't really been paying attention. Yeah, again, like the the release the schedule is what killed it for me. Like it was yeah. a little erratic, and then I just kind of lost. And you hate track. the art. We uh, Cassidy's wasn't good, and, and you hate Akuna. I really do hate Akuna. Yeah. Oh, well, some of it wasn't the worst. <laughs> I just I Akuna for me. He uh, he did a run on the Flash, and that was the first major time I remember seeing his name. And he was the worst artist for the Flash because his stuff is so static and there's no movement to it. And Flash is a book where it has to feel like the the characters are zipping across the page. So something where there's no movement at all is wrong fit. So can Mind Bubble relate to something Xavier ish? I don't know. Could be. I right. we we have no idea, right? I don't care though. If it's a Uncanny Avengers, I'll probably hear about it. I might read it at some point, but like, it's not. Recommender for me is kind of in a funny spot. That book, it's there, but is it really affecting anything? That's the thing. Like, it was supposed to be like it was the first major launch, right? It was supposed to be the book. I know. It's not to anchor Marvel now. Part of it was the release schedule getting away from it, and also you had Infinity coming out of two of Hickman's books. So suddenly, the entire line is affected by Hickman. 
whatever Remender's doing is not affecting anybody. Anything, no. That being said, his current arc is a nice addendum and like uh, epilogue, not epilogue, but like sequel to what was going on in Uncanny X Force. Absolutely, it's a prerequisite to read that before yeah. you go into his stuff. So yeah, you know what's going which on? Which is good and bad because Uncanny X Force, as much as it was kind of a critical darling and a lot of people loved it, it wasn't the top seller either. So no. a lot of people who might be reading an Avengers book because it's Avengers and mixing in with the X Men universe might be like, I don't get what this is. No, you like, don't. He, like, he's... Him and Hickman both are doing weird things in very different directions. Hickman has a problem with... It. Not problem, but everything is so big, massive, and you don't know what's happening. Whereas, remember, everything's so weird and quirky and odd, and and uh, he loves Apocalypse. Apocalypse Twins, Red Onslaught, yeah, all kinds like, of crazy you stuff. You know, and there's a lot of cool stuff there. It's just... Yeah, it's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. And it's not related to Infinity at all, which is... Further sequestering it from being involved. Yeah, out of all the books, I get a tie-in for it. That's yeah, you're right. It did have an a um, an a uh, AU tie-in, which was actually not bad. Which made sense because Kang was that doing time travel, yep. so that was actually kind of cool. And the artwork yeah. was brilliant, wasn't it? By Adam Kubert, I think. Yes, it was really. It was, it was a good-looking book, yeah. and Havoc looked awesome. So yeah. it was it was good. But yeah, I'm, I lost track of this book. Okay. Uh, then we have Rad. That's a bad for a second there. Uh, no, it's rad. rad. Um, now, apparently, earlier in the year, at a convention somewhere, a Dan Slott had, like, the, his laptop was up, and apparently, like, he was working on something with regarding the Silver Surfer. So that would seem to be what this could be, because you got Dan Slott writing it. Um, rad has worked both ways. It's Surfer Lingo, and it's Norn Rad. Yes. So, I mean, it's going to be announced at which one? I think it's the Inhumanity and All New Marvel Now panel, so it's kind of a catch-all panel. Um, would you buy a, a Silver Surfer book by Dan Slott? What would that look like? Like, I'm almost intrigued enough just based on that, because I have no idea what that would read like. Now, it's it's illustrated by Michael Alred, who is kind of a polarizing artist. You either love him or you hate him. Obviously, he did the X-Force launch when it went all weird with dupe and stuff. That was oh my god! But on Silver He's Surfer, on Silver Surfer, no, I think that could work. It no, could work. It's shiny, not drab no have you, well have you no. read any of the current FF room by Fraction it's no. Fraction and Alred I, I no. think he could make this no. work no it look hideous no <laughs> you're a shiny person he, he gets colored with crayon <laughs> well that it's depends so on the colors that, a lot of that depends on the colors no the art's terrible although I, I do think the colorist is his wife oh, no that's bad I that's think, a okay. bad bad choice As a, okay, that's if, not rad if the <laughs> If the book was black and white and not colored at all, I think you would like it more. No, because no. I think the pencils could be good. No, he dressed like a four-year-old. It's terrible. No, <laughs> you no. know I have a little bit of faith. No, in this. good for you. I, no. <laughs> that being said, you can put next to your red She-Hulk trade and okay. on, on your garbage shelf. First over of all, here. I will. Oh, um, God. But what if? Okay, what if? Would you, aren't you at least interested in finding out what Dan Slott's take on the Silver Surfer is? Not at all. <sighs> Uh, from the writing perspective, fine, I'll give you that. Okay, but not the. If it's drawn by crayon, I don't care. Okay. Actually, speaking of Silver Surfer, he was recently had a team up with uh, Daredevil. It was actually kind of awesome. Surfer and Daredevil. Team yeah, up. they're the most unlikely team up possible. <laughs> that is the like that is the odd couple. What um, was Murdoch doing in space or vice no, versa? No, no. Uh, Silver Surfer was on Earth. He was he was hunting like this 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 alien kind of monster, and Daredevil got involved. It was actually really interesting. Okay. Um, Who wrote that mess? Mark Wade. Okay. It, no, it was really good. Like it was the type of thing where you're like, this can't be good. This this has all the recipes of disaster. You cannot put these two characters together and have it make sense. But it was really good. It wasn't uh, like um, Tom DeFalco's uh, Spider Car uh, Silver Carnage or whatever that was. Oh, Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah when <laughs> Carnage took over Silver Surfer. Yeah, because that makes sense. Um, so moving on from Rad, That's bad. That was, we have uh, Corporate. Now, this one looks like it's actually going to be a fresh new launch, just like with Nor with Rad. Peter David. So, he obviously need has a new project. Uh, who Close knows? X-Factor, right? Uh, maybe it is just X-Factor again, you know? Like, who knows? Um, but Carmine Digge Domenico is a favorite artist of both um, Nate and I. He did uh, Magneto Testament. He did Daredevil Battle and Jab Murdoch. He's done a lot of good stuff. Um, the... There's a lot of other credits to his name, unfortunately I can't think of him at the moment. He is a superb illustrator. Um, I don't know how he would work with Peter David's type of script, because they, I don't know how they would gel together, but I'm interested to see what it'll be like. It's going to be revealed at the Amazing X-Men in the Marvel Universe panel. So it's probably X-related, but are we going to see a return of the X-Corporation? Well, it's some kind of hybrid of X-Corp and X-Factor, perhaps. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I mean, there is an X-Factor of some kind coming... 
after the X Factor ended, there was I forget which character it was, but one of the characters was basically invited to come be part of something called X Factor. So maybe that's what that this is going to be, but it's going to be maybe a different name or who knows what it's going to be. But um, I mean, X Factor in its current iteration is over. I mean, Madrox and uh, Madrox, whatever you want to pronounce it, and Layla Miller are having a baby, Yay. and they're they're kind of off on their own thing. I hope no one touches them until Peter David wants to. Because he is kind of the the only creator who should ever touch multiple men. I mean, a lot of people have touched him, but that doesn't sound right. Um, but he really is, like, the best writer for that character. And Layla Miller, as much as she's a Brian Michael Bendis creation, is more or less a Peter David creation. She knows stuff. She knows stuff. But, like, the the, the Does version... she still know stuff? Uh, she still knows some stuff. Okay. Uh, but not always. Uh, it's interesting, like, you know, Bendis' version of the character is a cipher who has no personality, no powers, and it's all thanks to, uh, Brian Michael, uh, sorry, uh, all thanks to Peter David that she's even a character. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, you've read X Factor. You've read House of M. Those characters don't seem the same, do they? Yeah, that's a good point. They're completely separate. Uh, so that's corporate, and then we have two left. Um, we have The End by Dan Slott and Giuseppe Camincoli, who's one of the rotating artists on Superior Spider-Man. So take from that as you will. Um... Is it going to be the end of Superior Spider-Man, or is it, you know, just misleading? It's going to be revealed at the Superior Spider-Man and Friends panel, obviously. So it's probably just a new direction for that book, or a new storyline for that book. I don't want Superior to be over. I get that it needs to come to an end at some point, but I don't want it to end. When does the movie launch? The movie comes out in May. In May. And so this, this is probably anywhere from January to April, this launch. Yeah. That's the launch window. So it's probably... How many issues of Superior are we at? At the moment? It's a double ship book, right? We're in yeah. the 20s, aren't we? I think it's about... I think it's about like 18 or 19. Okay. It almost made it to 24. It'll just make it to 24. Is that your point? It's well, going to make it to two years? Yeah, I guess so. Or, sorry, one year and be over? I just... I'm, I really enjoy it. I get that they have to end it at some point. Um, but we don't know if that's what this means. I mean... That's what it means. <laughs> That's the assumption. I mean, they put out these the, these teasers, and they know what kind of reaction they're trying to elicit. So right. It's not like they're stupid. Well, you got people going, yeah, thank God, it's finally well, over. If they just put it at the end, that'd be one thing, right? But the fact that you put the creative team, obviously you're trying, you you want people to think to that they know what's going on. And talk like you and I are right now. Exactly. Like, this yeah. this is the whole purpose of doing these these mm-hmm. teasers. You know, they 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 drip them out, and they know how to do them really well by now. So they give you a, the, these these two words. You give them the creative team. I'm excited to see what it is, obviously, because I'm a big fan of the book. Well, because they really wiped Peter off the map, right? Yes. Because I, I never liked the astral thing in the first place, and they made it worse by him being a whiny little bitch in the background. And they, they got overplayed rid of that. their they overplayed their yes. hand because every issue is more of no Doc Ock, no, yes. I wouldn't do that. So he's gone. So it'd be interesting to see where at what where he even remotely comes back because they they haven't even and I, I'm behind a few issues, granted. But there's been no even remote tease of him coming back yet. No. No blip, no nothing, no... Like, you have... Okay, some, sorry, some small stuff with maybe Cooper or MJ starting to suspect a bit more and more. But that doesn't give and, you a way to bring him back, No, though. of course not. Like, they'll delve into something at some point. I'm sure the two of them. Yeah. Um, where does it go? How far does it go? Do they just knock on, knock on Dr. Strange's door one day and say, Hey, something's <laughs> up. They make a new deal with Mephesto, have a lesbian love fest with him, and then... Lesbian love fest. You know, who knows, right? That's weird. <laughs> Uh, so. That's a good question. I mean, I, I, I'm interested to see how they're going to figure it out. Because, yeah, when they gave us the Astral Peter, everyone was like, well, now we know how we're gonna, they're going to do it. Right. And then when that issue came out where they kind of wiped that, everyone's like, oh, shit. Well, I mean, obviously, we, we still know it's going to happen at some point. We're going to get Peter back. But now it's a lot more of a, like, how? Um, but, you know, Dan Slott doesn't do anything without, as you said, like, they, they, they don't go into this without having a back door. I mean, you don't do such something as big as this and as... You know, potentially angry into your fan base without having a backdoor. This isn't a clone saga situation where they didn't have a backdoor at all, and they just kind of made a decision, and then they realized they had to change their minds. Right. Uh, although the backdoor was always there, that they could always just said sewer trainer was lying. It didn't have to be this big, you know, Green, green Goblin, you know, planting false results and making sure that they came up a certain way. Sewer would obviously say, you know, yeah, my my good buddy's the real one. Like that's not a difficult thing to say. True. Um, but yeah, no, Dan Slott's not an idiot. I mean, no. for all the things he might be as a writer, I mean, he's not stupid. And he's he does see his things far in advance. Like, he's very old-school Marvel in that way. And he has the luxury of being on a book long enough that he can actually do that. He's 
not quite Claremontian in the way he develops long-term plots, but he's he, he is kind of there. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the Tyler Stone character. You're not really in the current arc, are you? Where's Superior? You yep. haven't read it yet. Well, I mean, there's there's characters that are involved that have long-term ramifications for another character, etc. And it's interesting. So, the only thing that he's done that's pissed me off so far, and this is so minor, is that Liz Allen showed up as head of Allen Chemical. And that bothers me because she has no way had ever had an industrial company to her name. She she ran Oscorp, and then while, while uh, Harry was dead, then Norman came back and she still kind of worked for it, and then there was a long period where it was inconclusive and we didn't really even see her anymore. We don't really know what she's doing. And now suddenly she's head of her own chemical company with her own last name on the door, and it's not Oscorp. Mm. That just bugs me, and, and okay. maybe he'll maybe he'll you throw me a bone and explain why. But it just it's such a minor weird thing to be bothered by. But she's a long-standing you know uh, Spider-Man character. She appeared in Amazing Fantasy 15. She's never her company does not own an industrial company. <laughs> All right. Therefore, the, the, her name on there, unless it was part of a, a divorce settlement that we never saw from Harry Osborn, <laughs> that somehow got her a company that she then put her own name on. That's the only thing I can come up with. Harry's still out there somewhere with the baby? Is that Harry is out there with uh, with that baby. I guess it's it's his dad's baby, right? With uh, Freak? With, with Menace. Menace, sorry. Freak was a different character during that brand new day yeah. period. <laughs> Missed a lot of that crap. Um, so, do you think that, let's say for the sake of argument, that it is the end of Superior. Okay. Because it's the actual end of it, the new movie comes out, you can't have, not have no sign of Peter Parker at all in Marvel Universe. That's why you have 700.1, 0.2, 0.3, yeah, yeah, 0.5. Whatever, fine. <laughs> Does... And Marvel Knight Spider-Man. It's also Peter. And Savage Wolverine. Sorry. Are you then hurting me? I'm, I'm just telling you, those. that's where you can get real Peter. Yeah, Savage Wolverine was a, three, a four issue arc. Doesn't matter, it. in all those places you can get them. Yes. In any case... If and when Peter returns, yes, whether it be now or whatever, yes, does Dan Slott remain on the book? Ooh, I think so. I think well, I I think at this point they're going to leave him on that book as long as he wants to write it. So I mean, I don't they, I don't think they would remove him, and I don't think he has any desire to move. I but I think that it comes down to that. Like, what else would Dan Slott want to do? I mean. Spider-Man's one of the flagship characters. Avengers is already kind of dominated. He's done Avengers before. It didn't work out so well because he wasn't allowed to use the greatest team. Mighty Avengers was kind of a weird mess. It was not the greatest time to be writing an Avengers book like that because it was in the middle of, like, there was Dark Avengers, there was New Avengers, there was so many Avengers books, his got lost in the shuffle, and it wasn't the best one. Oh, so you're in the, the my own, uh, Hank Pym Wasp leading the team yes. that one? That's mm-hmm. what I mean. It was a weird period. Yeah, yeah. It's not his fault, and his stories were actually kind of fun. But it got overshadowed by a lot of other books, so it didn't go up, and he couldn't use the characters he wanted to use. Okay. So he had a weird cast. Uh, the X Men is kind of dominated by a lot of other, like a lot of big writers right now. So like where would he even moved to that would make sense in terms of a lateral shift, um, and what would he want to do? I don't think they would ever remove him. I think they would make it his choice, and I don't think he has any plans to leave. Well, the good thing he is... he might want to leave though because he'll be like, you know, I've told my story. I brought Peter back. It's a fresh start. Now someone else can take it. Right. Unless he has an idea for where that fresh start is. That being said, part of the, ex- the cool part for, uh, for me as a reader is not just seeing what Superior Spider-Man does with Peter Parker's life, but also seeing what Peter does when he comes back with yes, it. Yes, exactly. And so that's a little bit of, you know, you rock in the boat a lot. When you bring Peter back, it's not like he has a fresh status quo. He has to deal with all the shit that's happening. Yeah, because you can't bring Peter back and then pass it off and that writer... Pretends nothing ever happened. Exactly. Right. You'd have to yeah. at least have some some storyline. There has to be follow. You have to have some storyline at least that has him uh, like establishing a new status quo for some to then freshly write the character. Yeah. But I think he's gonna be on it for a while. I mean, he's... no, I, I'm fine with it because unlike let's say Bendis's run or Johns's run, some of these long-standing runs on these characters, I don't think there's been a real stale period for Slot on Spider-Man. No, at least not yet. He keeps moving stuff and making stuff happen and exciting and like, I, I remember when it first happened mm-hmm. and you know I we said it during the uh, the podcast for it and I, as a, I was a page turner for me and when everything was happening I was, you're not gonna do it you're not gonna do it and the mm-hmm. tink on the back of the neck was like oh my god you did it yeah like you know it's been so good and, and enjoyable and he's kept it up with this new book regardless of everyone's opinion and yeah. I think he deserves to yes at least set the standard and then once. Yeah. There's been the fallout, then we can then decide. It is remarkable the consistency he's been able to write the book. I think what's 
all the more uh, impressive is that unlike, as you said, like Bendis kind of starting to feel stale in certain books before, um, it started to feel like his stories weren't really going anywhere. Like New Avengers, as we've joked about in the past, it was a lot of dinner table a scenes. A lot of dinner table scenes. And it was a and, lot of... Well, and those random interview things, like, what was that all for? Yeah, it was a lot there of... There was a payoff for that for, like... Yeah, there wasn't a lot of progression, and if you actually broke down that this is what actually happens in an issue, not a lot actually happened. Whereas with uh, any of Slot's Spider-Man work, it feels like you get a lot packed into every issue. Like, the most recent issue, there was almost too much going on, which is, in these days, a, a godsend, because most comics seem like they, at times, get a little padded out, and you're not quite getting, like, you know, so many plots and elements all, all put into one issue. So he, he gives you bang for your buck, and that's one thing I would be sad about if he ever left Spider-Man, is that, you know, maybe you get a writer who isn't giving you that bang. Uh, if it was Bendis, for example, I don't... It would take forever to get things done. You know, like, stories would... T- Superior Spider-Man as a story would take, like, 60 issues to get, you know, to do what Dan Slott's done. It might be, you know, really good at the beginning and having these really quiet, you know, dinner table moments with Uncle Aunt May and, uh, I guess, (laughs) Uncle Jameson, but, uh, I don't know. So, moving on to the last one, because I know we're uh, we're a little tight for time today. Oh, yes. We got uh, Global, and Jonathan Hickman, Nick Spencer, and Stefano Caselli. So wow. that's I mean it's obviously so they're co-writing something. It's ever since Avengers started, they said it had to be an Avengers world. So that and that we're kind of seeing that elements play out in Infinity as well. The idea that Avengers have to be bigger and better. So who knows if this is actually going to be a new launch or just the like the new kind of status quo direction storyline for one of the Avengers books. Um, so it's Hickman co-writing with Nick Spencer, who's a good writer. Do you think is Hickman's initiative? Ooh, I'd be. I don't know how I t- actually how I feel about that because we just saw it and it was really good in, the, in initiative, but it would be so different that I guess I'd be okay with it because it'd be such a different animal. Yes, like slots. Oh, that there is slot on initiative. That's what he did. Uh, his initiative was quirky and fun. Yes, it wasn't like it would be so different in tone to what Hickman would put together. Absolutely. Like if, even if the even if the plot summary sounded identical, like you know a training camp for new superheroes. They would not in any way be the new, the same book. Like those, you could not have two different, more different writers. Uh, no, I, I don't think this would be a list of trainees and complete unknown random crappy characters. I think or just you, seeing how the Avengers operate in the world. Uh, yeah, I think you'd have established bases. Like you, you'd have like Canada would have Alpha Flight, but they'd be Avengers. Okay, right. Well, and, it's kind of like the X Corporation had. They had like the offices all over the world. And right. They all had like teams. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like Avengers West Coast and Avengers East, but just everywhere. Right. So uh, Avengers Dubai. <laughs> I I mean not so vague, but yeah, exactly. Avengers Denosha. I'd buy that book. Mutant Avengers. Is that just Uncanny Avengers? <laughs> it should be. Uh, Stefano Caselli. I, he's a great artist. I yes, mean, obviously, I'm sorry. Obviously, he also actually that kind of ties into what you're saying about the initiative because he was the original artist on initiative. So I hadn't even thought about that connection. It's interesting. Yeah. And this will obviously be announced at, I believe, the Avengers panel. Yeah. Yeah. Not a big surprise there. I mean, Hickman lives in the Avengers now, so... Yeah. It's his Avengers Ta- now. Exactly. Avengers Tower is his home. Um, so, from these... Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as we don't like the name, and we don't like how maybe the marketing and publishing... like, I think our problem is more with the marketing, right? Like, the way yeah, it's been marketed, the way it's being presented in terms of the numbering. Yeah. But the creative team seems solid. Again, it doesn't feel like there's any big shifts, there's no, though. There's no one, none at all. Which is what Bob... Like, why do we really need this rebranding? For the new titles, I get it. Yeah, get rid of the all-new banner. You don't need it. You no. Don't. It could just be Marvel Now Wave 3. Yeah. Like, it doesn't need to be anything You don't even else. call it anything. It's, it's still Marvel Now. Just go Oh, I know. Internally, they can think of it as sure. Wave 3. And Great. the press can think of it as Wave 3. Yes. Like, uh, with the New 52, they don't think about it as being Wave 8 or whatever. They just think of it as a new New 52 book. But it's the more the, the comic book media that, that assigns these waves to it. You know, comic fans. We try to marginal, not marginalize, uh, compartmentalize all comic books in some way, and you know, figure out how we're going to discuss it. Uh, and I think we only have like five minutes left. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, so when this comes up, we'll already have seen the second episode of Marvel's Agents of Shield. But, right. Uh, because we haven't watched that yet. It's Sunday. What did you think <laughs> of the first episode? I really enjoyed it. Um, a little bit disappointed that they gave away a lot of the the, the funny stuff in the previews. Okay. Yeah. Um, but. You know, you can see Whedon's fingerprints all over uh, the initial episode. Um, it was fun. It was cool. 
little bummed out that the I guess the Black Eyed wasn't Luke Cage to start off because mm. I know a lot of people thought he was going to be. I actually liked more that it wasn't just because uh, it was a surprise when he like killed that guy. Like, yes, you know, like I was actually surprised because I didn't expect it to go in that direction, and that was cool. And then when they made it extremist oriented, I mean that was brilliant marketing. It's the same day Iron Man three came well, out yeah, on Blu-ray. Exactly, like, you couldn't possibly have planned that better. Yeah. No, I think I think the show has a lot of potential, and, and it, as long as it keeps up with this level of fun, I love. You know, they tried to. You're gonna dress Colson right off the bat, but then throw in that little tidbit of you never know, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. And like, what oh, is that? LMD or not? We don't know, right? So I think it's awesome they threw that in there, um, as it can be an ongoing mystery for the whole series, and they can mm-hmm. you know it touch can really on be anything, or, yeah. or it's just gonna hang there forever. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to touch it. Whenever they want, yeah, you know, it is kind of nice. I mean, yeah. As a storytelling device, like you don't have to talk about it. Exactly. You know, you quickly bring him in, and the way they bring him in is quite funny. Like him being just in the dark and yeah. the, the, the light bulbs out in the back there. I don't know. Yeah, like it was. It was a very Coulson moment. Yeah. But that being said, it was interesting because we got even in just the first episode, we got to start seeing the different sides of his personality. Yeah, when he goes back, don't ever tell me it can't be done or impossible. Yeah, or whatever. Like, like, whoa, where did that come yeah, from? Yeah, we've never right? seen that version of Coulson. We've seen him as kind of like the funny guy. <laughs> well, to be fair, like, in the movies leading up to Avengers, he was fairly serious, yes. right? And they really lightened him up in Avengers, right? And he became the kind of geeky... Yes, you know, that's true. Captain that. America, oh my god, you know, trading cards and this and that. Well, in the first one, he was I helped almost, design your costume, you know. In the first one, he was almost bumbling. Like, they, they, he was almost, like, uh, absent-minded professor-ish. Like, he, 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 we wouldn't have taken him to be... I mean, obviously, we didn't know when we first see him that he's part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, we kind of get it once he says his organization, but they're not... We don't realize how much they're going to go in that direction until later when we see the the insignia everywhere. We're like, oh, this is going down. There really is like a shield of right. presence. Um, but yeah, it's like he was almost uh, not buffoonish, but they played up that kind of element of his personality in the first one. In the second one, he was more serious, and uh, obviously in Thor, he was much more serious. Um, although there were still elements of humor, and then you're right, they lightened him up in a big way in Avengers. Yeah, I never thought of it that way, but you're right. Yeah, Whedon really had a lot of fun with him. Exactly. And then he killed him. <laughs> Very weed, very very weed. Yeah, no, it was it was a solid launch. Yeah. Um, and you had a Shepherd book in there, Ron Glass, that was, made the cameo. Yeah, that's as well. right. Yeah. So there's your Serenity uh, tie-in there, your Firefly yeah. stuff. Yeah, and J. August Richards was uh, previously an Angel. That's another uh, of Whedon's favorite people. So yeah. there's a lot of it's interesting, and obviously um, Clark Gregg is Coulson is one of his people now because yeah. he's been in a few projects with him now. So I mean. Yeah, it was very solid. I'm one thing I thought about a lot of is that obviously they bring in all new agents. Like, there are no names that exist in the Marvel universe. Exactly. Yes. And at first, I was th- I'm of two minds of that. On one hand, it's too bad we don't get to see people like Clay Quarterman or more established Shield agents. But on the other hand, that's a good thing because Doesn't mean you can't see Dum Dum walk in one day. True. Or something. Well, he'd be really old. Doesn't matter. He's, he's really in old. the TV world. Who cares? Anyway, I guess. Um, but. One thing it made me think of, though, is that as much as I would love to see Agent Clay Quarterman and all these other people, the minute you bring them in, then I'm going to be judging, are they anything like the comic book? And it would affect a little bit of my willingness to just go with it. Whereas it's only agents, I don't care. I have no prior investment right. in these characters. Now they get to win me over to liking these new characters. Um, I like. So I was going to ask you if Melinda May referred to somebody. Not as they, far as I they know. They kind of made her, like, is that what I think it is? Yeah, right. that's just, again, internal mysteries for the show. Right, okay. As far as I know, and cool. until I'm told differently. And, again, she was kind of badass in that... Yeah, you have, the, like, the sleeper badass the, pilot. Yeah. Right? You have the, the one guy who you know you're using as your, your, your muscle. Yeah. Your two nerds as your tech, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have, I guess, your hacker chick, right? Yeah, I guess she's joining the team yeah. with the next episode. I, I did like the interrogation sequence when he uh, pumps the uh, truth serum into him. Into him, yeah. I mean, now the only thing about that is that like the it really strains, you know, plausible like things that like usually the Marvel universe is fairly grounded in some sort of reality, and that felt like if you're really a like level seven and this guy's level six of an extremely shadowy organization that most people don't even know about, and you're just gonna let this person interrogate them with truth serum in them, uh, it's a little straining credibility a little bit. Fair enough. Um, I had no problem with there being their mobile base of operations. Some people online were upset that they weren't using a helicarrier or anything. I'm like, who cares? How do you do a helicarrier on TV? You can't. I mean, can't. the fact that you, they, they even gave you Lola flying in that one sequence is probably what you're going to get for a while. Yeah. And that's fine, because now I know she flies. Yeah. Like, that's all I need. I don't... And I like that they had, had it fly. Like, 
I was hoping. Like, the entire time, I was like, come on. Clan, there you go, Clan. This is S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, you have to let it fly. Have a flying cart. It's gotta be a flying yeah. cart, for and sure. I, and I love Maria Hill being there, which was yes. nice. Um, I, I wish we could have more of her. Like, And she looked better there than she's looked in How I Met Your Mother for in a while. Like, she looks so good. True. Like, she's extremely And she's a TV actress. Me. It's not like she couldn't do more cameos. But. No. Well, she's obviously busy on her own show, so... That. Isn't it ending though? It is ending this year, so maybe you know I'm next year. Probably gonna know. Now, in a quick TV-related note, um, <laughs> Constantine or Constantine is being is uh, been picked up or at least put to pilot by NBC. So that might be coming out in a year. <laughs> Do you care at all? Sorry, Constantine, John Constantine, yeah, great character, Hellblazer, nothing. Okay, well, I just asking. It's a it's a comic-related. Uh, not at all, eh? That's what that was. End of. Some crappy DC monthly thing. Which one was it? Uh, At the end of Brightest Day. Was it Brightest? Yeah. Brightest Day is where he showed up. Yeah, right. Okay. But yeah. he's been around forever, like a long Good time in, in Vertigo. Well, I'm just Black saying. Black. I think it's exciting. Did Keanu play on that too? Movie? Yes, he did. Yeah, there you go. It's exciting to see potential Whoa. new TV series coming out that are based in comic properties, regardless of which ones they are. Yeah. So you have Arrow. You have Flash coming next year if once the backdoor pilot is done in Arrow. Backdoor. That's what it's called. <laughs> Uh, you got Constantine. That's three for DC. Marvel just has the one so far. They're developing a lot of different shows. I mean, it's an exciting time. The fact that I can actually watch a Marvel TV series. Like, when I saw the Marvel logo on TV, I'm like, yeah, what am I? What's happening? Cool. Yeah. If I could go back in time and tell, like, past me, even from five years ago, I would have been like, shut up. Yeah, well, live action is nice, but we need better cartoons, too. Yeah, right. but they're not... What happened? Okay, I keep forgetting to bring this up. Right? We're almost done here, but... Yes. Whatever happened to awesome theme songs in cartoons? They're gone. Both Ultimate Spider-Man and the New Avengers have nothing. Oh yeah, Ultimate Spider-Man just has like a weird, yeah, like, sound weird, quick little thing. Like it's gone. Part of the reasons I remember great TV shows as a kid, like Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats, Ho, Dun, oh, Dun, yeah. Dun, 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 like all the great '80s oh, yeah. shows grew, and you remember you can hum those theme songs forever. Mm-hmm. Now they're just gone. Oh yeah, that's you know? true. And it makes things so forgettable. Well, what about this? Uh, okay, so the animated shows you you've watched, I mean, Ninja Turtles has one, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, so it's, a, it's a, a kind of a rappy remix of yeah. the original. Yeah, so that's, that's so, that awesome. has, so that has one. Yeah. Um, I, I said I haven't watched a lot of cartoons recently, but the current ones. Obviously, Spider Man doesn't have. Well, one. you had Earth's Mightiest had a wicked theme song for season they, one, they got rid of and it. they nerfed it for season two. What does Avengers Assemble use? Anything? No, nothing. Same as Ultimate Spider Man. Nothing. Oh. What about Agents of Smash? I haven't seen don't it. Don't know, don't care. Don't know, don't care. Not no. even at all. No, oh, you I... can't team up regular Hulk, Red Hulk, She-Hulk, and Scar for whatever random reason. Come on. No, that sounds no, like it could be fun. No. Like, you gotta yeah, but, 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 go. but That's the problem. Make it a kid-can't-be-fun thing. Like, if you want to make something stupid and fun and off-the-wall, then do that uh, superhero squad you did. Mm. That was neat and cute and good for the kids, right? Okay. But this Agents of Smash, no, I don't buy uh, it. It's Transformers, kind of, it's do they have a current show? Prime just finished. They are working on what's next, but they're in movie mode right now for the fourth. Okay, was there a theme song for that show? Uh, yes, but it's an instrumental kind of thing. Okay. Had a cool remix when they did the Beast Hunters in the final season. Okay. Um, but nothing vocal, no. Anything else you can think of recently? That matters. I don't know if Be Where the Batman does. Green Lantern was instrumental. Okay. Uh, dun, 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 Spectacular dun, Spider-Man It's theme song Spider-Man, yeah. It really built on you Like I didn't like it When I first heard it And the more I heard it The more I'm like Yeah, yeah. I can kind of dig that No you need good theme songs For cartoons It's it's important Maybe yeah. I'm just old fashioned Yeah But Yeah I think it matters to me Or Because well, I, I made a, I made a little That disc. being said Some of the Yeah I know you have Your, your theme song A theme song disc Yeah and I played it For my little guy Ben And he loves Listening to the song There's a lot of good Instrumentals that came out In the 90s though Because you had like The X-Men theme was yeah, it was just just instrumental. Yeah, Batman was just instrumental, and it was obviously and, and some of that stuff fits. That's fine, but I'm talking like also Spider Man and but Avengers very right now have nothing. Okay. It was, those, nothing. those were even very the recent Thundercat show hags quickly the dun 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 dun. That was it. It was it was That's nice it, and eh? cute and simple. At least it was better than nothing. But you know that was such an iconic. Yeah, well, know. I do remember like Tailspin and Darkwing Duck. They all have great theme yeah. songs. I could still. Sing them. Exactly. Goof Troop, even. Actually, any Disney show from that era. Animaniacs had a good theme song. Exactly. Tiny See? Tunes. And they may help make those shows memorable. Pinky and the Brain. I believe. Yeah, they all. I feel. 
No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, and it, it definitely it, it it allows the player your nostalgia factor more because you hear that theme and you're, you're you are transported to when you're younger. Yeah, exactly. Whereas when mind. I hear a thwip and a weird la la, like that's, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make me think of anything. No, exactly. That makes me think of you know, did something break? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> like you know, did something happen with my recording? No, you're right. There, it's too bad. That being said, Agents of Shield doesn't have an opening, does it? Uh, didn't on the first episode at least. The no. pilots often don't, so we'll see. That's yeah. enough. Well, that's just TV in general. Don't have theme songs like they used to. No, like, like even Castle that we watched used to have a full on thing, and now they just go right into it. Right into it. And I think I don't. Know, I guess the argument for that is they just want to get to the shorter. They don't waste two three minutes doing a theme or a credit opening credits yeah. thing. But I miss those. Like, just a title card isn't the same. I know. Although, at least, like, Lost had just, like, a, a weird, like, five-second thing. But at least that was fit for its show. Um, Law & Order, obviously, has its, like... Bum, bum. Yeah, like, they a very, imp- like, iconic style. Yes. But, yeah, current shows, I mean, I give credit to some. They, they try to develop theme songs. But they're, mm-hmm. for the most part, they're, well, you know, few and far between. Just a shame. Because it, it's all about, you know making you excited for that show you know you would hear that theme and you'd be like gotta watch that exactly you know like you'd hear it and that would make you stop so I guess I'll throw it in there because I've been wanting to mention it like the last like ten podcasts and I keep forgetting oh, really? to yeah that long eh? you've just been like maybe not ten burning but just like... it's, I keep like oh my god my stupid point about theme songs remember that <laughs> yeah but right. uh, anyways any, any final thoughts as we wrap it up <sighs> any final thoughts any of those like teasers you're actually looking forward to and seeing what they find what they are? Um, I'm excited for the Spider-Man one, obviously. Yeah, let's see if it's the end or not. I'm excited goes. to see what Peter David's coming up with because he's not writing anything now. Yeah, and you're a big X Factor, so I'm for you. Uh, I think Global could be cool if it's an initiative type thing. If that's what or it, it could be something else that a Hickman's ass yeah. that uh, but, you know. But at least it is so to your interest to find out what that even means. Yeah. Like, you know, at least to know what global means. Yeah, like, I'm down with obviously, Rad, you're no, there was you're not n- <sighs> God no, um, but there's no uh, X Men. No, what would be X Men in there? Nothing. But no, there was. Uh, oh, I think did I miss one? I think I may have missed one. I thought there was one. There's one more. Something by Bendis. What we thought was. Ah, uh, I missed one. Trial. Oh, I screwed up. Oh, you're well welcome. Then. Brian Michael Bendis and Stuart Inman. No, I'm late. Yeah, okay, sorry. so that is the... Uh, that's at the X-Men panel. Of the, so that's obviously something to do with all new X-Men. Okay. And something that maybe that happens after Battle of the Atom or Which some sort of fallout. Possible. Yeah. Something to do with the trial. Trial by fire. It's got kind of yellow... Trial and error. Like it could be, you know, what is what does trial mean? Are they putting someone on trial? Um, yeah, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of... Attempting tri- something. There's a lot of, tr- you know, trials in, in mutant history. I mean, obviously Magneto was the most famous one. Trial of Magneto. Um, or or if I got Cyclops, maybe maybe down, something right? happens. Yeah, I mean, and if it is something after Battle of the Atom, maybe we won't even really understand until Battle of the Atom is over. Uh, depending on how okay. that's rolling. I was just so. curious. Yeah, an X-Men sorry. Thing and, okay, that is my go. fault entirely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's okay. that's. The I, last I'm gonna one. be re- reading it regardless. It could be it could say poop on a stick, and I'd be reading it because it's X-Men. And but I'm Rad, you're sticking away from. No, not bad. Bad people. Bad Rad. Rad she hot bad. Stay Aww. away. Stay away. That's sad. Stay away. Plenty of uh, rancor dogs and roller coasters. Look oh, out. Jesus. Uh, so you can't defend that. It was so bad. It was a little weird and quirky, but I still like it. It's not weird and quirky. You can't defend that. You have to admit that was bad. Okay. Say it was bad. I, I will not. Say the underground roller coaster and the weird rancor dog thing was bad. It was a little strange. It was oddly placed. No but place. most of the storyline was good. I still like most of it. Yes, and the weird exploding lady in the training session. Come on, terrible. Anyway, stuff. thank you for joining us for episode 108 of Comic Shenanigans. Uh, I've been joined by my co-host Paul Scores. I'm Adam Chapman. Please, um, you know, send us your uh, your thoughts, your emails at comicshenanigans at gmail Like us on Facebook or post on our HC Wellness thread. Thanks once again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Later.